Darren, how are you doing? Good. Good. Thank you, Matt. Not bad at all. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Obviously been an interesting couple of days and I think we'll get onto that in a minute. But um, yeah, currently I'm just aiming to get my um, dip my toe in the comedy waters again, get back out there and do some stand up in front of actual people uh, rather than just describing myself as a stand up comedian um, when actually not being one at all which is you know at some point i'm gonna to have to stop calling myself that if i don't get back out there so time to get back up on that horse and um i've got a whole new got a whole brand new six minutes uh, in fact i've got about 10 minutes worth of mediocre material <clears throat> and prob- that's all new and probably about six minutes of, of reasonable material that i'm prepared to share with the wider public but i've no idea whether it's any good or not it makes my partner laugh but <laughs> as you know that <laughs> That doesn't mean anything, one way or the other. So, oh, so, the um, thing is, though, you put her in the crowd and at least you know you got someone to start the laugh off. <laughs> well, and she has got quite a loud laugh as well, which is good. So yes. I will certainly be doing that. Yeah, so that's that's me, really, is um, very keen that for 2023, I'm out there telling jokes. That's good. Good to see you back. It's been what? 18 months since you did your last gig, even? Oh, Maybe God. More? Yeah, yeah, it, ha- it is more. probably. Yeah. Unacceptable delay. Just like um, us getting our episodes out. How about you? Happy New Year on two counts. Happy New New Zealand Year and Happy New Chinese New Year mm. because that's today, 22nd of January. So that's good. Me, um, from a comedy standpoint, I've got no gigs planned now. Um, obviously, just before Christmas did first Big Wednesday. I think it was the 21st of December. Then did the Foxton Festival on the 6th of January, which was really good sold out show always uh always nice to do a sold out show wow, that's um cool. and then friday night did a bilingual comedy night which um yes. which was interesting it was a half chinese half english speaking comedy night so i tried my best to learn a tiny bit of mandarin before the gig and tried to open and close the show even just thanking audience with in mandarin so yeah i'm glad i don't ever really want to learn another language because it took me about two days to learn about three sentences so if i ever had to learn a whole set it would probably take me till i was about a hundred but it was great no it was really good fun so yeah those have been the things um potentially looking because last year last august when covid hit we had to cancel our Christchurch shows. We had uh, well, we had four South Island shows: uh, one in Rangiora, one in Christchurch, one in Queenstown, one in Wanaka. Um, if we go back this year, we'd like to probably slot in Dunedin as well. Probably going to be a few months' time. Obviously, timings and costings and stuff like that. And also a show in Tauranga we had to cancel as well. So uh, there's potentially five or six there. Um, awesome. I'm also written some new material and done a little bit of stuff and everything like that so be keen to test that out so over the next month or two try and just get into a couple of open mics hopefully see if i can get back on at the classic again but february is auckland festival month so obviously a lot of um a lot of spots and a lot of shows are going to be given. I'm not sure if you're aware, um, garnet station is coming back as a comedy night i did see that somebody was yes. doing that i saw i think david braid um dan brader or someone Oh, he's, that was just his solo show. Right. That was just Brader's solo show. So it's um, Laugh Mob are, um, are doing um, Garnet Station, which is now called Garnet Station. That's a great name, isn't it? That is a good name. They're like doubling a good down name. on the comedy there. Yeah. I won't give you any clues as to who came up with that name. We'll move on. Was it you, Darren? It was. <laughs> Fantastic. Someone well, asked me for an idea. Um, of a of what what a comedy night at Garnet Station that came out within about five seconds and they were like fuck that's it I was quite proud of that one but I have nothing else to do with it I'm not the promoter or anything M Coom no. M of Torbay is the promoter of that one um, but no doubt yeah who um Coom of Torbay um, no, never heard of him he never heard like of him no. up and well, coming. Is he an up-and-coming young talent? In your he opinion? is an up-and-coming young talent. He's doing a, doing a little bit around the rounds and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's coming back. Um, I don't know how the show is going to be set up, but there's quite a few shows out there now. Um, obviously, we lost quite a few, but Red Bar's still out there. Love Shack with David Stewart on a Friday night out there. Revelry on a Wednesday night. Garnet Station's going to be on a Thursday night. 
God, I can't remember the rest of them. This is just around Auckland. There's a, the few, okay. there's a few of us. Yeah, I will, will do them. And then obviously people are now traveling again, which is good. There's plenty of open mics in Wellington. Well, not open mics, but shows in Wellington. Yeah. And around the country and from personal experience, I've really enjoyed going into the regions. It's been a nice change from Auckland. Not saying that I've got anything particularly against Auckland, but it is nice to go and see. It's a very different crowd out in the regions, right? Very, very different. And also you can go back to some old material that people have never seen or heard before. Whereas when you're in one location, you're always got to come up with something a bit new just to kind of, you know, so it does go, fuck, this guy's written nothing in like two years where you go to Foxton, you go to Wanganui, you go to New Plymouth. And if you only go every six months, I know it kind of sounds lazy, but if you have got some good old material, you don't actually feel bad about doing it. And it is, it'll be a more Kiwi audience as well, right? Because you can do a gig in Auckland and basically everyone is like us from born overseas. Um, And going out to somewhere like Foxton, you're going to get, I would imagine, a higher ratio of people born in New Zealand. Yeah, and um, interesting. I think that's actually starting to happen now. So someone was telling me they did red bar about a week or two ago and most of the crowd were travelers so yeah. the auckland thing like what you used to see at tobacco and places like that where a lot of it was overseas people so when you do new zealand kind of references they've got to be very understandable to audiences like that because if you talk about someone that's literally just famous in new zealand that can sometimes get lost on people so yeah um, or you talk about the culture or <laughs> yeah no, that's a lot right. Of my old, a lot of my old material definitely fell on deaf ears. I could always tell when it was no, when it was a visitor crowd. <laughs> I definitely got a worse response. <laughs> so yeah, so that's probably the plan. I am back into doing oh. quizzes. They kind of kick off this week as well. So we're doing a few quizzes around the place this year. I've got a few quizzes lined up actually. Oh, cool! Where? Oh, yeah. nice. Yes, brothers beer. Oh, you're back in. You're back in They've the come fold. begging, Come begging back to me. That's good. I've only got one in February, one in March. That's it. Oh, nice. But that's good. That's what works for me. I can't commit to more frequent than that, as I said to them. So, no, but I am excellent. looking forward. To, I, I did miss doing it, I must admit. Yeah. No, it is good fun. So, um, oh, congratulate. Welcome back to comedy and welcome back to quizzes. Look what's... Yeah, no. Ah, oh, I tell you, yes, tomorrow night, Guild. Guild business starts again tomorrow night for the new year, so... I'll be back into guild board type of stuff from tomorrow night. So, Lucky you. I know. I feel <laughs> so blessed to have such a high-paying role. <laughs> no, Don't cool. even joke you about it. Us. You'll be getting an email from someone saying, That's what? right, yeah. Someone will try and cancel me for being, you know, something or other. But um, anything else on the entertainment front from you? Or shall we kick into what's really going on in the world at the moment? Yeah, let's not talk about my electronic music. Which is progressing, but but not progressive. Um, but uh, let's let's talk about what we what triggered this. Talking of triggering and trigger warnings, um, which we didn't, but we are now, I guess, or I am. Um, trigger warning, everyone. We're now going to be talking about real life politics because I messaged you the other day and said let's have a chat about what's happening because I'm sure there'll be. And I was thinking to myself actually, and you said before we started recording about the shoe being on the other foot. And that was also what did encourage me to contact you, actually, because I thought you might want an opportunity to be able to have a bit of fun speculation about what was going to happen, given the opportunities I'd had to do that in the past. Maybe there's not that much speculation about people, given that the news is out and we know who's going to be doing what for now, but uh, at least in the two top roles. But um, yeah, we've got a few months coming up. There's going to be an election campaign. Some would argue the election campaign's already started. I think they'd probably be correct. Um, and yeah, the, the, we, we've got a new prime minister starting on the 7th of February and the Labour Party's got a new leader as of today and a new deputy leader. Yeah, so look, as, as you rightly said, you know, we started this podcast April 2020. Simon Bridges was leader of the National Party. Then was Todd Muller after Bridges was overthrown. Then that disastrous tenure came. And arguably, whilst it was longer, could even been a more disastrous tenure when Judith Collins took over. And then eventually Luxon, much probably not really wanting the timing was still probably not right for him, had to take over because really National was was in an absolute mess. And uh, it's taking a long time to get itself out of that. During that whole period, Labour Party's been pretty stable, relatively stable caucus. 
And now, this week, the announcement that Ardern is stepping down. So I had a couple of questions for you. First one, I'll try and do them in some sort of order so they make sense. Was it a shock? If if you'd asked me at the beginning of last year, I would have said February this year we might see a change, just through guesswork, not through any insider knowledge. Um, but since then, I'd, I'd heard things that suggested that wouldn't be the case. So, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise, but uh, you might have us already in your questions, but um, I'm happy to say that I take I take the reason she gave at face value. I honestly do. I think you just see her giving the press release and then you see her after she's given it. She was um, when she went into it, you could see the stress and the worry and the kind of the burden of all of that tremendous power. And we talked about this a bit when New Zealand's own Liz Truss, Todd Muller, stepped down um, about the nightmare time he'd had. Right. Anyone in those positions, whether you're in power or in opposition, that is an absolute nightmare job, which you can either breeze through um, if you're a bit of a psychopath. That happens in both parties. You get people like that. But then you get ordinary people or relatively ordinary people take on those roles. And then, you know, it's just like the biggest job in the world. And being the prime minister of New Zealand is no different to being the prime minister of Australia or the president of the US or prime minister of the UK. Right. So just a massive 24 7 job um, with very little sleep very long hours huge pressure on your family add in certain other factors like for instance steering a country for a pandemic being a woman in that position who is you know not all of the criticism is of her has been legitimate by any means there is a strong misogynistic tendency among some of that which is makes it much worse on the whole for women in those positions and especially you know what you might call younger women um that's just a reality that you know if <laughs> that if you're someone who wants to do a good job and put loads of effort in it's incredibly stressful and um yeah i think she just ran out of gas exactly as she says you know clearly my guess would be that her and clark had conversations over the break which um drove this decision so I think it's entirely down to, to just running out of steam. And I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. The worst thing for any politician to do um, is to try and battle on after they've run out of steam. Yeah, I don't think he made a third term, did he? Or did he? No, he did. And then, he, did. And then he, walked, he walked pretty early into the third term, didn't he? That's right. Towards the end. And I, I yeah. But I, I would see he's someone who can... I'm not saying he's a psychopath, really, but um, he's, somebody, he's one of those few people, like Helen Clark as well, I think, that can breeze through these kind of things a bit more than most. Yeah. Um, and you you know, you look at UK politics and Margaret Thatcher was someone who could just do that as well. And Tony Blair as well. But, you know, they're probably the two people in the last sort of 40 years in the UK and John Key and Helen Clark are probably the two people uh, in, in recent history in, in New Zealand that are capable of doing that kind of thing. Most other people, you know, it's just an incredibly, incredibly hard. And, and I, I think it's interesting. I, I had a lot of, I think people, it's no surprise to anyone that listens to this show regularly that I'm, I've been critical of some of the judgment calls and some of the stuff that's gone on in the government. I, I actually will give her credit, though. A very easy thing for her to do would have been to behind behind the misogyny card and go, I've been bullied. I feel that this has been too much. It, I'm worried for the security of my family, blah, blah, blah. Like some people have done on Twitter. And gone, ah, oh, this is all the disgusting misogyny. I think it's lazy. Yes, I'll admit there has been people that have gone after it, whether it's because she's a woman, whether it's because of the direction she's taken things. It's very hard to, to get between the lines sometimes of like, are you frustrated with the person for the decision? Or are you frustrated with the person because they're a woman and the decision is a good reason for you to have a go at them? I think a lot of people were frustrated with the decisions. I think the fact that she called out the fact that she had nothing left in the tank, she was tired. Whether some of that, it has to affect you to a degree. I mean, I, you know, more and more lately walking past and not just, you know, on the back of some people on marches and stuff like that, but on building sites and around the place where people have just spray painted fuck Ardern and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. When you see a lot of that, you know that the mood of the country is changing. Whether the fact, and this is a question I will ask you, is do you think you could have won 
the next election with her? Or was she carrying too much baggage? The popularity rankings were going down. Yes, she hadn't gone past Christopher Luxon. She was still polling above Luxon, but Labour were going down. She was personally at her lowest level since actually becoming leader. Mm. There's a why now, which I think maybe the you know has got been kind of answered with the tank, but and and I know this is hard sometimes for you to answer because of your job and stuff like that. But <laughs> do you saw? Did you see that Labour could have won the election with her in charge? I think if there's anything, we talked about this kind of thing before, and I think if there's anything, um, I think we probably both agree on it's that anyone who tries to make a political bet or gamble on the outcome of any contest, especially this far out, but right now in the last couple of years, things are so volatile that just who knows? Who really knows? But I certainly don't think it was out of the question. Um, I do think she's the kind of person that has the ability to uh, to win uh, if they've got the energy to put in. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's another question you could ask me that would be harder to answer, but um, that one... I could say who knows, but possibly. I actually was talking to someone about this about three weeks ago, and the subject of obviously the election was was a subject that I was talking to the person about, and I actually thought her best chance of winning was calling a snap election now and doing it now. Everything had died off over Christmas. There was no scandal. There was no this. The whole three waters noise had calmed down. Everything had kind of, the noise had gone away and she'd gone away and people were actually going, where is she? Like, what's happened? I mean, like they forget that everyone else needs a holiday, you know, but I thought the actual chance that she had to win it was by going, actually, I'm going to call an election. And I was kind of half expecting it when she came up to do the announcement and go, the election will be March the 27th or whatever it was going to be or March the 26th. Now, would Labour have gambled on that? I don't know, because then you could have been chucked out of power seven months earlier if it would have backed I can tell you, yes, so that's one risk. I can tell you now that that's very unlikely to happen in New Zealand, that kind of thing. Because of the three-year term? Yes, because they're short enough as it is, and elections are expensive. And I think both major parties are of the view, the shared view, that the public would not look kindly on a government um, in their own self-interest Unlike in the UK, right, where it's standard, you yeah. basically that's what you do. Here, I think the public wouldn't look kindly on that kind of behaviour, and would um, would punish you for it. There would be an element of voters that might have voted for you otherwise. It'd be like, nah, screw you. You spent. You're costing us sixty million dollars or however much a general election costs um, to get to go earlier than you should because you think it will advantage you. And yeah, you can say, well, the election will still cost sixty million dollars in September or October. But, um, yeah, I just think that the way people understand finances and things like that is not helpful. So I think that'd be a huge, huge risk. How, how much of this departure, you know, stress and everything is caused by different things. How much of this departure, and again, I don't know your ability to answer, was caused by internal challenges within the party? Because a lot of noise was starting to come out of, and we heard it before Christmas when, she said she wasn't in the room when the free waters discussion was had. And Mahuta came out and said she was definitely in the room when that discussion was had. There's some noise that the Mary Caucus was getting frustrated with her. Obviously, there were some unpopular policies in there. Um, how much of this, and, and we'll get onto this with Hipkins and Cepoloni in a minute, do you see that the internal politics of this kind of started to get to? Because when you're in election year, there are currently on the current current opinion polls, 22 at least Labour MPs that are going to lose their job. Those 22 know very well who they are. And at some point you start fighting for your own job. And surely at some point someone's going, we have to do something here. Because one, if we don't, we're going to lose the election. Two, 22 of us are going to be out of work. How much of it was that? How much of it was the potential risk that if she loses the election, it does diminish her star somewhat a little bit as well? One there of was the a thing, lot of noise. Yeah, one of the things I I admired about both parties until after when I first moved here in 2016, um, but obviously don't admire the National Party for anymore because they proved it wasn't true for them at the time, that things might have changed for them now. But um, I think both parties have learned a lot from the David Cunliffe era of New Zealand Labour 
when there was a lot of intra-caucus fighting um, that played out in the public stage. And I think that that has led that along with the you know MMP system has led to incredibly disciplined caucuses. Of course, that discipline does break down if there isn't a strong leader, as we've seen in national with uh, several in a row. But I think we've seen things probably turn a corner in national with somebody who, whatever their other faults, you know, does have a bit of a track history as a, as a strong leader of organisations. Uh, the same is true in Labour, right? So even if I knew, if I knew, I wouldn't tell you. If I knew any internal goss, I wouldn't tell you. But um, there's an, the caucus are pretty disciplined, right? So even if there are internal problems and disagreements and things like that, they get to that kind of level. It's unlikely that we'll find out until there's a national party or back in power and it's a bit of a way to go until Labour can get back in. Yeah. Uh, then people might start saying what happened. But yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know. But um, she is, the fact is, you know, they do, the vast majority of them, including people who may have said things publicly, you know, I don't think that would be enough by itself. And that would be, and them and her saying that would necessarily be enough to um, reflect a huge stoosh going on inside um, the caucus. That's just my instinct. I could be totally wrong there. But yeah, my instinct is they were still pretty, as well as being disciplined, they're still pretty united. Um, obviously, you know, there was a sideshow of Gaurav Sharma and things like that. You, you know, that's the kind of random thing that any party which gets wins more seats than expected can, can face. And you'll remember we talked after the last election about whether it'd be a Labour MP or an ACT Party MP unexpectedly getting elected that would show yeah. up and embarrass their party first. And I think, you know, we both admitted they could have been it from either party, but it yeah. would probably be from one of those two, given yeah. how many people were elected. Um, just in terms of people losing their seats. Well, yeah, I mean, I think people uh, would be foolish to think that Labour's going to get the same number of seats again or more. Um, but I think we've already seen MPs, some of whom have only served a couple of terms and have done a good job and certainly not been admired and anything embarrassing, saying, actually, it's time to move on anyway. I'm not going to be standing for re-election. And one of the things I like about the New Zealand political scene is um, that, you know, I, I remember not long after being here, I went and stayed at a motel somewhere, which was run by a former Labour minister. Right. Um, politicians in New Zealand tend to come from other jobs and then go back into other jobs after a fairly short period of time, because being an MP or a minister in New Zealand is not a cushy number. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty hard work. Whatever party you're in, right, we've got a t ridiculously tiny cabinet, which requires ministers to be tripled up and doubled up on big portfolios. Yeah. And then we've got a actually a very small parliament for the size of the population. If you look at um, Ireland, for instance, Republic of Ireland, with a population of a similar size, they've got a, a bicameral parliament with a combined membership of about 240, 250, I think. Yeah. Um, and we've basically got 120 MPs. I'm not advocating for a bigger parliament necessarily, but it's a huge job. Um, and I think a lot of people just who, and you can tell the ones who work hard at their jobs, right? Because they're the ones that actually don't last as yes. long as some other people might do. And there's a very high turnover in all the parties. And that's, that's, that's a, I think that's a good thing. What do we have in New Zealand? Is it 120? 120, unless there's. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It can be an overhang like Germany, but it's, that's rare, rarer here than it is there. It's interesting. Australia's five times the population. It's got 150. But they've got state legislation. They do have state. Well. They do they've have, got well, the they have federal and state. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And they've got bicameral in every bit yeah, as well yeah or most bits so you know it's it's not comparable i don't think i mean i i think we could personally i think we could do a, a few more mps but i don't think that's a particularly um i don't think any party would take that on as a as a vote winning policy <laughs> not at the moment not with cost of living issues <laughs> well not even people. not even not, not even in good well, not even not even out but especially especially with cost no, of no, living no. challenges no absolutely yep. and i, I wouldn't think support that either no, I, I mean, I think your point, your point's interesting around the fact that the parties remain tight and aligned, which is interesting. I, I had a quick read up of some of Hipkins's press conference saying that they would be re-looking really at what was important this year and what wasn't, which is going to be interesting. 
does this give him an opportunity to ditch? And I'll, I'll circle them back onto Hipkins and Cepoloni in a minute. But does this actually give him a chance to ditch a couple of these things like free waters or go, I'm sorry, but this is going to progress no further until after the next election because it is just to Kenga, Te Pupu, Free Waters. You know, there's just a lot of unpopular policies out there. Does this give him a chance to put the brake on and go, I'm sorry, we're not taking some of this stuff forward? I don't think it's because, oh, there's too many of them, even though trying to pass about 24 in about a week um, before Christmas. Does it give him a chance to win back? Because if you say that the uh, they're all tight and everyone was on board, then hang on, you agreed with all that stuff. So therefore, it's actually no change. It's just a different face. So if, you, if you're saying you're all tight and you're all in agreement of the directions going, that meant, Hipkins, that you agreed with Tepu Kenga. It means that you agreed with this. It means you agreed with that. Does this give him a chance to pull a break on a few of those things and go, actually, we need to take some heat out of this and we need to then be able to focus on what our message really is? I don't I don't think he would necessarily be looking at any of the issues you've raised, and I don't know what he would be looking at, but absolutely, the you know, the leader of any political party gets a chance to rejig what they think are the priorities and address them in a different way. I actually think it would be electorally suicidal for Labour to to change its view on all dangerous, should I say, not suicidal, maybe slightly exaggerating, um, but it would be dangerous, I think, to try and reverse on some of those big ticket issues, which have already had a huge amount of work put into them. And where actually, you know, just in my personal opinion, um, they're right. And that um, they just, you know, they just need to... <laughs> win the narrative rather than change what they're doing and so it might even be that that's what he's referring to about changing the narrative but yeah I mean to be honest if anyone came into a leadership position and didn't change a thing you'd have to wonder why they went for the leadership position in the first place that's same as business right you I know people go oh we've got another new manager that means another new direction well what do you think he was going to do sit there and just go oh I'll just carry on with what is well if that's the case why did we even change leader you know what I mean? What was the problem exactly. in the first place? But exactly. um, going back, like, obviously, as soon as this happened, the first thing that everyone started talking about was, so who's going to take over? And I kind of put my little bet out there of Kiri Allen because I thought the reason I'd fought Kiri Allen, the only thing I fought against her was, like, experience. And maybe her desire to be that much in the public light when she's just overcome, you know, cancer and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but the way that um, she handled White Island and stuff like that, I kind of saw that there were some people out there that were probably in the don't know camp or even on the centre-right side that were like, yeah, actually don't mind her. And I, I that's from me talking to people on the centre-right and stuff like that. And, yeah, she's okay. And I was like, actually, if she actually took this, she's got an opportunity I think sometimes when I watch her on Parliament TV, she's not the greatest debater, would need a bit of work. Although, to be fair, Luxon's still learning as well. He's still not great. He's, um, he's, he's, he's still not kind of got it. Nicola Willis is way better. Um, and Eric yeah. Stanford and people like that are better, but that's because they've come from that background. Yeah, He's come out of commercial. Did you, I mean, again, it's hard because you may have had some inside track, but was Hipkins your choice? I mean, I narrowed it down to Kiri Allen, Chris Hipkins, and Carmel Cepoloni of getting the two top jobs. No way did I see Mahuta. No way. That that would be a Judith Collins move in my eye, as would Megan Woods. I kind of see them as a Judith Collins of the Labour Party. They would have been unpopular. I think Labour would have got absolutely destroyed. I looked at the list. I went through the top 20, 25 on the list. And Kelvin Davis was going to be a no. Stuart Nash was going to be a no. Grant Robertson was the obvious choice, but pulled himself out. Willie Jackson was a no. Hanari was a no. Um, Poto Williams is disappearing. Yeah, when I started looking through, I went, there ain't many choices, actually. Is that how you saw it? I I think that there's... Well, so first of all, I think Kerry Allen is pretty good. And I think I would really expect her to, to see her get a good... A high-profile cabinet role. 
or some kind of high profile role over the next few months that enables her to show off her abilities which are absolutely you're absolutely correct i think in terms of her ability to reach across the aisle and appeal um and in fact um it's not just her as well i would say that um kieran mcnulty is another one that uh, absolutely understands how to understands how to appeal to people from different groups that uh, will be needed for labor to win uh, to do well in an election even if it's not winning you know government by itself which you know it's probably unrealistic at this point um but certainly i think Kiri, i would see kiri as being in the next generation of leaders if she wants to be um i i think she's great i think i i think my list was not too different to yours and uh it's interesting yeah grant would have been obviously would have been for me would have been my fate would have been my favorite but he's ruled himself out um i suspect and i suspect he the reason he's ruled himself out is for why he said as well i do take why he said on face value which is basically similar reasons to jacinda plus the fact that he is as far as we're concerned a safe pair of hands where he is um certainly carmel was high on my list and i'm not surprised at all that she's going to be the deputy and i think that's a good choice i think she's um she's comes across as a strong leader as well as having good ideas uh, and then yeah chris hipkins was absolutely was one of the ones on the list in terms of who i thought might well get it you get a couple of decent comedy sound bites out of hipkins a couple of his um good <laughs> sound bites where he's kind of um you know, it's trended for a few days on social media. I was media. at the beach. I was at the beach today, actually, and um, I overheard this. Uh, there was this Chinese family um, near us, and they were just chatting away in their own language. And then all I heard was, spread your legs. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, yeah, everyone knows who he is, obviously, because of the COVID response stuff. Uh, he's, a, you know, he's a guy who's had some massive, massive portfolios. As He's been one yes. of the most overworked cabinet ministers. So I don't think he's really had his actually really had his chance to shine as much as he could have done if he'd been given a slightly smaller group of ministries to be responsible for. So I'll be interested to see um, see where he goes as leader. He's had the big ones, hasn't he? He's had education. He had COVID yep. response. Did he have police? He, I think he might have done it at the early had, stages. Yeah, yeah, I think he had police and stuff like that. So he's, And he's also health. He's also had to step in and take over health. health. Well, well, yeah, well, when you've got Andrew Little doing that. Yeah. We won't go there. Oh, yeah, there's another one out of the list that I... Well, yeah, I wasn't but, No, yeah, I don't think you were going to raise him somehow. He kind of comes across as likeable. Is he going... How do you see... Well, is it, well, can you win? You obviously think that you can win. You're, you, otherwise, you wouldn't be in it. How do you see him and Luxon playing out? I'll be interested to see their first big debate in Parliament in the, with him in a new role. I really will. I think, as you said, I don't think um, Chris, little Chrissy Luxton, um, as he likes to be known, I don't think um, he's... I'll ask him next time I see him. I'll go, is it right that you like to be known as little Chrissy Luxton? Is that hey, right? Just, yeah, no, I um, I think given, given Lux, and I do, I accept your reasons for it, right? He's new to the political space. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I was, if I was a National Party supporter, I'd absolutely be backing him to, to the election to give him a chance to prove himself. And I wouldn't be judging him until after the next election. And, you know, it would be electoral suicide for National, I think, to replace him until then, if things did go wrong for you. But I, I, yeah, I'll be interested to see. I, I think that um, his style, he could do well um, against Luxon, but I don't think it's guaranteed. And I agree with you about Nicola Willis. She's, um, you know, she's pretty uh, effective. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does up against her as well. I'd have no, absolutely, it's only because I haven't seen him in that kind of really pointed pointed end of things and and seen him taking the lead on it so i don't know he may have already done about certain issues that i don't pay so much attention to um whereas carmel on the other hand i've seen her do it enough times to know that she'll be um extremely capable i'm not sure robertson was likable and liked enough by enough people to have probably pulled the election off i'm not a fan not a fan of Robertson. i think that is a real yeah i i agree i think he's popular with the base I yes. think he's increased his popularity with the broader coalition that the party of, of don't mean coalition of other parties, but coalition yeah. of support the party needs to do well. I think he's really in the last few years um, done a lot to, to improve his 
uh, his popularity with them. Um, but I, I agree. I think that he would be a bit of a lightning rod. And I'm sure that's a factor in his decision as well, to be honest. And it, I would trust his judgment, his political judgment over mine. So, um, you know, I think if he thought he was the right person to lead the party into the election, he would have done it. I think as well, because, of course, we're, we live in a country with MMP. How do you think that swap from Jacinda Ardern to Chris Hipkins goes with the Green Party? That's a really interesting question. I actually hadn't given any thought to. Keen to see a progressive government after the next election. And if that involves the Greens and the Party Mari and whoever else, um, then I'm fine with that. But I don't know, because the Greens have been pretty quiet for quite a while. <laughs> and I've I've no I've suspicions why, but I've I couldn't um but it all went quiet after they had the issues of the leadership co-leadership yes. stuff and it hasn't really picked up since then but it wouldn't you know i i don't know why that i don't know whether the two are connected correlation isn't always causation but um yeah i i don't know i don't think he would be i think they'd probably be easier they'd prefer him to grant to be honest yeah i think it's i think it's interesting um I think it is going to be interesting. The Green Party, for me, I would vote Labour before voting Green, not because I don't believe in climate change, although I have got my own concerns about the way it's being managed, but I just think they're a cardio- party of crackpots, to be honest with you, 100%. Ricardo, Gulriz, Swarbrick, Davidson, Gentner, they're, they're just a party of crackpots. To me, I would rather... If Labour were going to win the next election, I'd rather they'd win it outright like they did this time. Because me personally, don't want Green Party anywhere near power whilst they've got that bunch of crackpots amongst them. And I know that's controversial. I I just, James Shaw should just walk the floor and go to Labour if I was him. Because I think he'd make a good Labour MP. I think he'd make a good Labour MP. I think he's just hung out to dry in the Green Party. He's got no hope in there whatsoever. That was embarrassing what happened. I don't know why nobody stepped up and took him out. I don't know what was going on there. But again, they're lucky that it's happened 18 months out from an election and everyone's pretty much forgot about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think it's fair to say they're, they're all crackpots there. I think, I think Marilyn Davidson's pretty awesome, actually. And she's someone that I think would actually fit quite nicely into the Labour Party if she wanted to. And I, I would, I would absolutely be quite happy to see her in a coalition government. I think, I, my personal view of um, the other co-leader, I've already forgotten his name, James. Sure, yeah. James Sean. <laughs> He's been so silent for so long now. Yeah, I would think he would be very. If if we had a Liberal Democrat party like in the UK, that's where he would be. Yeah. Um, to be honest, that's just I don't really know him or know much about him. I think that um, Jan Logie's pretty good. Um, so I think you've got Marama and you've got Jan Logie and you've got, there's another one as well, but there's a few that are good and the rest uh, and the Palmerston North guy, I just don't know anything about. Yeah. Um, I think that what matters to me is seeing a progressive government. And I think that the Greens are an essential part of that. And I think if that did happen, I don't think the large part, the largest party should ever let the tail wag the dog when it comes to coalitions as much as you can avoid it. Um, I mean, it is always difficult. And obviously, and if, if if a coalition partner was to end up with as many seats as New Zealand first did in the previous coalition, then you've got no choice sometimes. Um, I think it, I don't think New, New Zealand first are coming back. I, I think oh, no. I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see anybody trusting them anymore. And what's Winston going to be? 74, 75, whatever he's going to be? Well, he's ruled out. He said he wants to come back. He's ruled out working with Labour again. So if he did come in, but he'd be does working. Does that change? Does that change now? And this is the problem with Winston. Does that change? Does, oh, no, I, I ruled out working with Labour while Jacinda was in charge, but now Chris is in charge. Now now I could be back in again. I'm sure he'll be asked um, in plenty of time for the next election, but even then you wouldn't necessarily trust him, right? Um, no, not at all. No, you way. can't. That's the fact. You can't trust him. And it's like, um, you know, any party that tried to do a deal with him before the election, you'd be like the uh, the old parable of the was it a fox that gives a scorpion a, a ride across the river yeah um and then the scorpion stings you and he's that scorpion um yeah. you know you can't trust a word he says now i think i think national their their best bet is to keep going as they're going act to keep going as they're going and then a coalition nationals national would probably be better off if act lose a few seats 
um, and yes. National were a bit bigger because I think if you saw Act in Power, they'd start doing all sorts of mad shit, to be honest. Yeah. Just like, you know, I mean, for me, just how you see the Greens, that's how I see Act. And as much as there may be individual former Act candidates, I think are decent people, um, there's a bunch of crackpots out there as well on the other, other side of things. And I think if, if I think for both Labour and National, being at the beck and call of a small party that doesn't have to worry about uh, ever winning more than a certain number of seats to be able to fulfil its mission and drag things in the way they want to drag them and uh, have the kind of public profile they want and get the jobs for the people they want, I think that you've got to be very careful. I think we could see it's very similar to what happened in Australia last year. Or was it last year? Where literally the Teals and all of those guys won such a large amount of seats. If you look at it now, just on current polling, Acton Green are polling at over 20% between them. That's huge. I mean, that turns an election massively. You know, the Greens pull in 15 or Act pull in 12 or the Greens stay at 10 and Act drop to 6. I, they, I think... There's more danger for ACT than there is for the Greens because I think the people who vote Green are adamant in that section. I think people who vote ACT are more sort of vulnerable, flexible to deferring yeah. back to National or something like that. And I think they'll only stay with ACT if they don't trust National. I think, I think New Zealand right. First are not going to get those seats back. Now, New Zealand First's best attempt, best efforts would actually be to try and go for the nutty fringe, which yeah. is who they've kept out in the past by existing. Um, but I think that's too late. I don't think the nutty yeah. fringe would trust them. They wouldn't trust Winston, um, you know, because of his involvement in the previous government. So, and I don't think the nutty fringe are going to do well enough by themselves to be a be a force in the next um, the COVID types. They're not going to matter in the next election. It will be between the four main parties, with New with New Zealand first being a will they, won't they get a seat kind of. Oh, and of course the Party Māori. Party Māori, yeah. They'll continue. I suspect. I doubt they'll do worse. I think they'll probably maintain or do better. I mean, not that oh. they're statistically capable of getting more than a couple of seats anyway, but um, yeah, I, think, I don't see them getting five percent or anything like that. No, it will be on winning, winning Māori electorates and then getting top right. up. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And so I see them staying roughly where they are, I would imagine. Um, and I think you're right. I think the next election will all be about how well the Greens and ACT do, actually, um, yeah. as much as anything, as much as, yes, Labour need to win as many seats as they can and National need to win as many seats as they can. I don't. We're not going to see a one party government. That's just out of the question. No, that's not. This what happened this time was an absolute freak. Yes. There was an absolute freak based on the fact that one of the biggest and arguably the biggest party in New Zealand was an absolute shit show. Absolutely. As, as close to a major corporate going out of business that you will ever see, <laughs> effectively. The Fletchers. They were, the Fletchers they were, it would be like Fletchers going out of business <laughs> in New Zealand was how bad that the National Party had become. I think the person you were looking for on the Green Party was Eugenie Sage, by the way. Oh, she's the other good one. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Eugenie yeah. Sage was, was a, a, yeah. another crackpot. But um, no, I think um, this year has certainly now become interesting, I think. I think the landscape's changed. I think Labour have got six weeks to get ahead of it. I can't remember when Parliament starts again. It's not far off, is it? No. Um, um, and I think Hipkins, if he works hard, could probably come out with some pretty big stuff in the first couple of months around we're going to focus on this, going to focus on that. Could probably put National back a couple of percent and we could be back into a 50-50 race. Could see a hung parliament? I could. I don't think National have got enough yet. I think what we haven't touched on, don't know whether we'll get time, Judith Collins going back to the front bench. Did National have an inkling that Labour were going to make a change and they've gone, if, we, if they've got a new leader, let's put somebody on the front bench that's absolutely going to go after them. That's where that's probably where she could do her best work. Oh, that's an interesting point I'd forgotten about already. And everything else that's happened, I've forgotten about that. Um, I think because what I thought when I heard that was actually no, that's because there's internal shenanigans going on there. Yeah. And that she's somehow actually built that coalition that she didn't really have of MPs um, behind her finally um, to position herself to try and uh, replace. Because I've no doubt, and I think they'd be stupid to do this, I've no doubt, though, there'd be a very small 
grouping of um, MPs. And, you know, I'd compare them to like the Freedom Caucus that caused all yeah. those problems for the Speaker in, in the US House. Um, you know, nut, nutters and all parties have them. And as you know, in the size of uh, caucuses in New Zealand, you only need two or three to be a problem. That's right. I would see them looking at Luxon and saying, you're not doing well enough. You're not as far in So as we need to give Judah for another chance, which would be absolutely insane to do, um, to do anything other than continue to back him and present a united front until the election. Um, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't do it. I think 100% they've got to give him the election. 100%. And then if he loses, he's gone. Yeah, of course. And, and, and what will be interesting, I'll get you a quick view on this, if Hipkins loses the election, is he gone? Yeah. Or do you reckon he stays? No. Nah. No. Nah. You reckon he goes, that's it. Because this is the danger, right? When 2020 happened, Bridges went, Muller went, everyone was going, Luxon needs to step up. He was way out, way, way off the pace. And yeah, he yeah. knew that they were going to lose that election. He knew if he took over and lost, he was gone. So it's brave in one respect from Hipkins because he knows where the polls are. He knows where things are at. So it's brave to step up. And, and again, well, it is, it is brave to take leadership. Why the only person? Why was he the only person? Was it there was such a united front in the caucus or was it everyone going, fuck this, 10 months' time, like eight months' time, I could be out of work? It's no, I don't. Th I honestly, it goes back to what I said earlier about uh, New Zealand MPs. I don't think they worry about that so much as as in many countries. There's no safe seats in New Zealand, essentially. I mean, there are, but because of the list system, no one is safe because a list MP can come and take your seat from you if yeah. you underperform. They'll come in and they'll be selected. So um, you know, it's not like the UK where eighty percent of seats are safe and MPs have got a vested interest to cling on to their jobs for their dear life for as long as they can. <laughs> Because um, it's a pretty cushy number as well if you're a backbench MP. It's not the case here. Uh, it's a big workload, even if you are a backbench, um, and no one is safe. And actually, it's a small country. You can go off and do something else. So I don't think there was any of that. No, I think it was exactly what I wanted to see. I didn't want to see a leadership election within the caucus, and I certainly didn't want to have to vote myself. Um, I, that would have been a sign of a lack of unity. Um, I think having a single person is a sign of unity. And even if it's not a sign of unity, it's a sign of discipline. And that matters just as much. I think it does help you in the respect of now you go, there's not going to be a splinter. There's not going to be leaks. Because this was National's biggest problem, right? Bridges lost to Muller, but was still around and still had large support. Then Collins came in and was still had some support, but so did Bridges and then you had the Luxton centre right Christianity wing of the, you know, the um, um, Simeon Browns and the guy that is in uh, Mission Bay and Simon, uh, I can't think of his O'Connor. O'Connor. You had that sort of Christian right wing. So it was almost split into four. I guess the one thing you have got is if, if Mahuta and Allen and Hipkins had all stood against each other, you would go, actually, there's two people there that are pretty unhappy that they lost out. I think I think that does do a lot for you internally, whether that's what really happened behind closed doors or not. And people turned around to people and went, nah, -uh -uh, this is how it's going to roll. Um, it certainly works, I think, on the forward facing for Labour. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. I think, I think it's the only way, it's a sensible way. And I think, again, it goes back to those lessons of previous years. Yeah. Well, I think now, you know, where we are, we've got an election date. We know when it's happening. Yep. There was all this rumour that Jacinda could push it back to January next year because of if people were on, you know, if there was a fear that they might not win, that they could extend it out. This has taken all that away. We know who the leaders are going to be. We know who the second in commands are going to be. Um, I think it's going to make for a real, as you say, the first real open debates between those two is going to be really, really interesting. And if I was to be a betting man, I think Hipkins would probably win out because he's a seasoned politician versus a businessman. So yeah. I, I do think that, and especially if he comes out strong with, we're focused on this, we're focused on that. That's not a focus. That's not a focus. It's kind of not an election promise, but it's kind of actually taken the heat out of a few things and gone, actually, I'm the guy now. This is what's really going to matter. What? Yeah, Luxon can go, oh, well, it just shows how hopeless your party is that you've done this and done that. Well, actually, 
he's kind of put out a pretty strong statement there. So, you know, I think what National have got to get out of is just disagreeing with everything that Labour does. Because I think that's yeah. what they've built. That's what they've almost become. And I think I've used this analogy to you before. Under Judith Collins, the National Party were like a dog that sits in a window and it doesn't just bark at other dogs that goes by. It barks at leaves and cars and people <laughs> and cyclists and because it just wants to disagree with everything. I think where National have got to come out and looks and said, well, I'm not giving you my policies. It's not the election year. Strong policies need now because if not, the way that Hipkins can win this thing is by coming out and giving a strong direction on what they're not going to focus on and what they are going to focus on. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with you there. I think one of uh, Luxon's misjudgments is, and we'll have to go in a minute, but yeah. um, I can hear my partner arriving um, and it's my turn to cook dinner. So, um, but um, no, I, I think one of the one of the things um, he's done wrong is not come out of one or two high level policies right now. Yes. I actually think we live in an era where we're actually moving away from the Topham Guerin pure personality uh, period that was created over the last few years. Actually, John Key played a role in, but more more than him, um, what's his name over in Australia, ScoMo, um, created um, of this kind of the narrative stuff. Uh, I think that's still really incredibly important. But I think actually, if you go out there and talk to normal people, they do actually, they are getting a bit more uh, interested in policies and stuff like that. And thinking at least, yes. which only needs to be a couple of sentences. I mean, a high level political policy is like literally can be a paragraph. Yeah. It doesn't have to have a huge amount of detail behind it until much nearer the time. And then if you don't provide the detail, as we saw in the last election, of course, huge holes will be found. Yes, um, Absolutely. But from, from this far out or even before Christmas, in fact, if I was him, I'd have announced like a paragraph policy before Christmas yeah. for people to talk about over the break, um, give them something to think about. One that you thought would be, you know, could be a cross bench kind of policy that would be universally interesting to people. Um, but that hasn't happened. And I think that's a, that's a slip back. But, you know, I, it's just we've got so long till the election that actually anything can happen um and you know who knows where it's gonna who knows where it's gonna go to me cost of living and crime are going to be the two ones that people are interested. there's no doubt there's no doubt 100 percent, 100 percent. but yep. um, look i think we've done well i think we've covered a lot of ground there and um, yes, you, you have other things to do on a sunday night um i just thought i'd finish and you can cut this out if you want to but um, a bit of a teaser for anyone that's listened to this is that our next guests on the podcast uh, will be interviewing in two weeks' time will be Tough Tiger Fist. Really looking forward to talking to those guys. They've got some shows coming up. They've got some new material. Really going to be interested to see what they are doing going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, enjoyed talking to you about that. Um, really good conversation. And yeah, as they say, let the, let the battle begin. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll probably do another couple of these kind of updates um, as things start to heat up. Absolutely. Thanks very All much, right. everyone. That was episode nice one. 43.